You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 201 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? Doing great, Michael. Uh, Glad to be here. And, uh, Wondering what the 201st episode of the Canadians Connection will bring. We remember last week, well, last week was special anyway, special 200th milestone episode for the Canadians Connection, but it was also special for the fact that uh, we got interrupted. (laughs) We were interrupted uh, near the end of the show. uh, By Gary Bettman. By Gary Bettman, (laughs) exactly. Uh, saying that he had a trade to announce, and the Canadians uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins had a trade to announce. So uh, that was fun, um, and we were able to give uh, our um, our quick reactions uh, to the, the trade last week. So we'll, I'm, I'm excited to see what this uh, episode uh, brings today. Yeah, you never know what to expect. And uh, well, today we both have our Twitter pages open just on the side here so we could keep an eye on everything. And uh, who knows, we might have uh, Gary Bettman step in and uh, interrupt (laughs) us once again. (laughs) We'd welcome that. But uh, in terms of what we have planned today, uh, we do have a pretty exciting episode. Um, As always, we're going to start things off with an interesting headline, our roster news, our prospect report, and then end segment one with some news from around the league. Uh, I'll also say that we do have some audio coming up from uh, Kent Hughes and uh, Michael Matheson in this segment. In segment two, who will blink on Dubois? Uh, Obviously, the Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal rumors have really been heating up. Uh, I think it's probably going to happen at some point. We're just going to have to see how that goes, and we'll have an in-depth discussion upon that. Uh, In segment three, it's the Have You Say segment. Our Canadians Connection Question of the Week. Uh, rebuild be damned. Are you all in on the Dubois-Huberto train to Montreal, no matter the cost? We want to hear from you. And uh, what's the best way for our listeners to uh, let us know, Rick? Text us at the Rocket Sports text line. We set it up specially for you so that you can text us 24 hours a day. Uh, text us at 5853-ROCKET. 
that's how you get to us. Or if you have a little bit more to say, you can send us an email, info at allhabs.net. You can also give us a follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And make sure you check out the website, canadiansconnection.com. So starting things off with our interesting headline of the week, uh, the Montreal Canadiens announced some new sweater numbers. Uh, So I'll list them off here. Uri Slavkovsky, he's taking number 20. Kirby Doc's going to take 77. Chris Weidman is actually going to switch it up from 20 to number six. Uh, Weidman on previous NHL teams has worn number six, so I can kind of see that one happening. Uh, Michael Matheson is going to take number eight. And, of course, uh, Evgeny Dodonov, who I always forget is on this team, is going to take 63, <laughs> a, a bit of an odd number. It's um, and, and it's interesting when we posted this at uh, facebook.com slash allhabs, so where we have uh, more than 50,000 um, very passionate uh, Montreal Canadiens fans, there was some discussion about this. Um, about a number of the, the about a number of the numbers, uh, certainly Yuri Slavkovsky um, was looking for number twenty uh, when interviewed at the draft, and and he was told that wasn't available. He said that that's fine. I'll, I'll just take number eighteen. Um, well, he'd have to go down up in the rafters and retrieve that. Uh, so obviously, was told that you know it was going to be some some difficulty. Chris Weidman, stand up guy said, uh, you can have my number, um, and uh, but I'll take Shea Weber's old number, which I think uh, is where a lot of the, uh, the issue was for Canadians fans. They thought maybe a little too soon uh, for nabbing Weber's number. Then there was a discussion about, you know, uh, that, that number six and whether it should also be in the rafters, Toe Blake being... Um, one who might be um, retired, that number retired for him. Um, 77 for Kirby Doc. Well, uh, we know that's Brett Kulak's uh, old number. Um, and the, the uh, Mike Matheson with number eight, uh, belonging to, uh, formerly belonging to Sherratt. And uh, the, the, the 63 we haven't seen in a while. Um, Matthew Pekka had it briefly, uh, Andreas Engfist, remember him and Craig Darby all the way back to the 2000 to, uh, 2001 season. Well, uh, Montreal, if they end up retiring all the numbers from their legends or they'll have to go to triple digits. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, I think everybody has a number that suits them for what it is. And, uh, well, with uh, Chris Weidman in terms of number six, uh, I, I would think that there would have been some internal discussion about whether or not this would be okay. Uh, I don't think Weidman actually played with uh, Shea Weber. Not that that makes too much of a difference, but I'm sure that uh, Shea's blessing has been given. I, I think so too. I, I, I this is, strikes me as something that uh, wouldn't wouldn't bother Shea Weber one way or the other. Um, just the appearance. It's nice to wait for. Uh, a bit of time before uh, the numbers uh, recycled, and uh, but yeah, as you said, uh, with the limited uh, number of of uh, numbers available, uh, this kind of makes sense. Of course, so make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines, posts appearing regularly at allhabs.net. There were a few signings this past week. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens signed goaltender Samuel Montembeau to a two-year, one-way contract extension. He'll be receiving $1 million per year. 
It's uh, it's not, Sam. Sam is a very likable player. Uh, he's a fan favorite. Um, went in in difficult circumstances. Um, you know, didn't fare very well uh, last season. Um, but he, uh, you know, you can say he took one for the team. I think that. You know, Sam is, uh, we know what Sam's going to be. Um, he'll be 26 in October. Um, someone who was thought of as with a lot of promise, uh, with the potential of being an NHL goaltender at, at uh, one time. I think that ship has sailed, and, and we know that his place isn't necessarily uh, on an NHL team. But for the Canadians, in the situation they're in, in a rebuilding situation, in uh, a situation where they're not terribly uh, upset if if they end up in the bottom five of the league uh, this upcoming season, it's it's a good fit, um, especially with the uncertainty of of Carey Price, especially with the uncertainty of Jake Allen and all the attention that uh, he's gotten uh, and uh, the trade offers. So. Um, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, I, I think we want to moderate the ex- expectations of how he's going to f- perform, though. Yeah, I don't mind bringing in Samuel Montembeau as a bit of a buffer. I think that he fits well as that placeholding goaltender to make sure that uh, a, a young goaltender like uh, Caden Primo can get ample time in the AHL. Where I'm surprised is the two years and the one way. Uh, I wasn't really expecting that for Sam. I thought he'd probably be better suited on a two-way contract so that he can move uh, up and down a little bit. But uh, I guess uh, Montreal is comfortable and they have a pretty good idea that uh, they might not have both of Jake Allen and Carey Price going into this season. So I, I guess they're comfortable enough uh, giving Samuel Montembeau the one way. And and let's let's um, it's probably a good time to explain. I know there's there's been some confusion about the one-way, two-way uh, contract issue between NHL yep. and AHL. Uh, you know, some fans think that on a one-way contract, you cannot be sent uh, to the AHL. That's just simply not true. Uh, what it means is that if if Sam Montembeau is sent uh, to Laval, that he is paid at the same level. He is paid at the NHL level. Um, his his one million dollars. Um, so, which is typically not the way, usually on a two-way contract, there, there will be an NHL amount and an AHL amount. Uh, so can he be sent to, um, Lavelle? Yes, he can on a one-way contract. He's going to be exposed to waivers though on his way down and the Canadians would risk losing him, sending him to, uh, Laval this season. Um, but, but the, it, it, and, and it's going to cost him a bit of money, a little bit more money. Um, and, and I'm with you. It's the term that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of teams lining up for Sam Montembo. Um, the, the, the two year, um, the two year contract, um, I don't understand. Um, but perhaps the thinking is, uh, that Caden Primo is going to need more time than we figure at uh, the AHL level. Uh, before it can be determined whether he's um, he's he's going going to pan out to be a, a, an NHL backup. 
Yeah, I guess uh, we're the one way. Uh, it leads me to at least believe that they don't have immediate intentions on sending him down to the AHL. I guess that's more mm-hmm. what I mean with the my confusion towards giving him that one way. And obviously, with Montreal's cap situation and stuff, uh, having not having the two different uh, salaries, AHL and NHL, it seemed uh, seemed a little bit off. But uh, I can kind of understand what they're going for here. Yep, for sure. So last week we had a trade come in right at the end of the show. And uh, that trade was uh, Jeff Petrie and Ryan, Ryan Paling to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Mike Matheson and a fourth round pick in 2023. We gave some uh, brief immediate reactions to this last week, uh, but uh, I, this is still a bit of an odd trade in my opinion. I, I'm surprised that uh, Montreal went after a guy like Matheson, who is a good now immediate defenseman to plug into your roster. You know what he is. He's a known commodity. He's, he's a veteran. I can understand maybe going after a veteran to help groom some of the other players, but I don't know. It just seems a little bit odd to go after an already established guy in a rebuild. So as you said, we gave our quick takes when the trade happened, uh, just after um, Ken Hughes had his uh, uh, media availability and explained his reasonings. Um, and, and we'd encourage you to go back to episode uh, 200 and, and listen towards the end of the show to, uh, to see what we said. I, I, I think I agree with, uh, I, I'm, I, I stand by the comments that, that we made then. Um, it was an odd, um, it was an odd trade. Mike Matheson, um, you know, the, the Canadians, uh, deficit is on the right side, especially now giving up Petrie and, um, and Hughes said he was going to have to bring in somebody on the right side to, to fill that spot because he didn't want too much exposure for Barron or, or the, the younger defenseman. Um, and, and he gets Mike Matheson, a guy who's played for the, vast majority of his career on the left. Um, You know, Hughes said he wouldn't add a sweetener. He added Ryan Paling. Um, And really, uh, once you factor in the rim pit, like there, there wasn't a lot of, of cap flexibility gained, uh, especially uh, because Mike um, Matheson has that extra year on his contract over Petrie. So it was, it was. Um, it wasn't what we were expecting, given the criteria presented um, by uh, Hughes. Um, I think this was a situation, though, where the patients um, kind of worked against Kent Hughes. In that, um, from what was reported, that he may have received better offers at the draft. Uh, wasn't satisfied with those, and and tried to extract a little bit more. And at that point. Uh, that the this the the suitors were were dropping off quickly, uh, so this was something where he had to get in and get in quick, and get a known commodity. Commodity Kent Hughes's uh, presser sounded he sounded a lot for the first time really he sounded a lot like an agent spinning spinning the the pros of of Mike Matheson, um, and and he knows him well. Um, and he talked about Mike being a, you know, a character guy um, and and uh, a real gem of a human human being. And I believe that. I believe that's that's going to be uh, one of the strengths, one of the pros of of adding a, a Matheson. Um, talent wise, uh, the Canadians came out 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's, um, it's a leap to, I, I, I don't know who would de- to dispute the fact that the Canadians came out on, on the, the bottom when it comes to the talent exchange. Petrie's a better defenseman than Mike Matheson and then adding in the Ryan Paling as well. So, um, but I think he grabbed what he could and, and grabbed someone that he knew and grabbed someone who will, um, will add to the leadership and the culture, uh, of a positive, in a positive way, um, in the dressing room. Um, he was as known, uh, Mike Matheson since midget AAA hockey when, when Matheson played. So calls him a terrific human being. And, uh, I've, uh, we we heard in his presser, Mike is happy to be in Montreal, and we'll we'll hear some audio from him a little bit later. But uh, um, an interesting trade, a very interesting trade. Yeah, and the Montreal Canadiens were not finished interrupting last week's podcast episode as uh, they went ahead and signed Rem Pitlick to a two-year, one point one million dollar per season. Uh, I guess they cleared up just enough cap space uh, in the Jeff Petrie trade to be able to do that. Uh, Kent Hughes said that Rem Pitlick is somebody that he likes. Uh, I think you and I were both a little bit surprised to see him come back, especially for two years. He's somebody that offensively seems like he can contribute. He seems pretty exciting, but uh, you've discussed on a number of occasions that Rem Pitlick is not a very good defensive guy. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I think he certainly doesn't play uh, from a defensive uh, side, but um, I, I think it's beyond that, uh, that that he doesn't he plays a very immature game um, and, and doesn't seem to know what to do uh, when he doesn't have the puck. Um, and, and so that's he has difficulty playing in, in two other zones other than, than the offensive zone. Um, so, and, and I guess the point is, um, can you have a player like that on your team? That's all offense. Um, yeah. Can you have four or five or six guys on your team when you factor in a Jonathan Drouin, a Cole Caulfield, uh, Mike Hoffman, Slavkovsky, um, who hasn't learned yet to play a complete game. That's where, that's where I doubt that Rem Pitlick, uh, doubted the Rem Pitlick signing, um, so it, it was, uh, it was a bit of a surprise. Well, it, it shouldn't be a surprise because the Canadians are certainly doing, um, knowing that it's going to be a difficult situation, want to have fan favorites around and, uh, are doing everything to, to kind of please the fans. But, uh, this is something that, that I hope, uh, his usage is going to decline and decline swiftly, uh, over the term of the contract and that beyond that, when the Canadians are competitive, that we're not going to see a, a Rem Pitlick um, in the lineup. Uh, one other thing I just want, before we, we move on, um, we, we, we did hear from Mike Mathis. And the other thing that we, the other uh, part of it, the other half of it, is that we heard from uh, Ron Hextall uh, this week. We heard from Jeff Petrie this week. And we heard from Ryan Paling this week. Um, and I think it's important to understand um, from the other side um, what you know what what would the case was uh, why why would Ron Hextall go after a, a Petrie um, and he talked about Petrie being a, a really good fit um, and and it returns to Petrie uh, the situation where he plays in the 
in the second slot, uh, just as he did behind Shea Weber. He's going to do that behind Latang and um, and still play in all situations. Uh, Mike Matheson does not uh, doesn't play special teams or has not been playing special teams. Uh, Petrie will log big minutes for the Penguins. So now on the right side, uh, the Penguins are are very very strong uh, with Latang, with Petrie, with Ruda. Um, they've improved their transition game with Petrie. Um, and as far as paling, uh, Ron Hextall said this is a player that they've had on their radar. The Pittsburgh Penguins have since uh, the uh, Paling's draft here. They really like him. Uh, they need to improve uh, their forward group behind the the top six. Um, they like the fact that Paling is a big body. He's a good two-way player, and I expect that uh, Paling will get a much better opportunity in uh, Pittsburgh than he did in Montreal, um, and and happy for, for him uh, in that respect. Um, Jeff Petrie is thrilled, thrilled to be in in Pittsburgh, he said that it's four hours uh, drive to his home in Michigan. Um, he said that, um, interestingly, that his dad, um, the, the famous Dan Petrie, the MLB pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, um, that to, to watch his son, that Pittsburgh was his favorite destination, that he would ensure that he always um, uh, was at the uh, games in Pittsburgh when Jeff was with Montreal to uh, to go see him play. Um, Paling's thrilled, um, and he's he told a, a story. I, he he said that um, that Petrie is one of the closest players uh, he was to uh, to in the with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that uh, Jeff Petrie and his family and Julie just took them right in, uh, took him right in. Um, and invited him over for dinners, and and he said that um, when when he set up a FaceTime call uh, with Jeff to to talk about the trade, uh, that the entire Petrie family um, was on the call and and welcomed him, uh, the growing Petrie family. Um, it, it's 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 really nice. Um, I I think it was uh, time for a, a fresh start for Ryan Paling. And um, and and he'll get a uh, he'll get much better treatment than he did. He was, for whatever reason, uh, not a, not treated very well by the media, um, and um, and I think he he'll get a better opportunity to show what he can do uh, in the Pittsburgh lineup. So after these transactions, uh, Montreal has a little bit over 200000 available in cap space. Obviously, uh, during the, I believe they have until a training camp uh, in which they can go over the salary cap by about 10%. But uh, they still have a few players that are left unsigned. I'd imagine that uh, there will likely be some other trades coming up. Right now, uh, forward Kirby Dock and goaltender Caden Primo are unsigned. I believe both were qualified, and uh, they're RFAs, so they won't be going anywhere, but it would be nice to get these guys signed pretty soon. For sure. Um, yeah, and, and that's obviously a priority uh, for uh, Kent Hughes, but uh, we'll likely free up some space um, before that's done. So uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, fans are, you know, they're... they're uh, they're refreshing Twitter constantly, uh, waiting for the next uh, shoe to drop. They hope it's Dubois. Uh, I think, uh, given given 
what we've heard from fans. Uh, but there's going to have to be maybe some other moves as well in order to free up some cap space. Yeah, there's going to have to be something before the Dubois trade for sure. But uh, I think now is a good time to take the Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So Laval continues to fill up their roster. They signed a few more players this past week. Uh, they signed forward Emile Poirier. He's a former uh, 22nd overall pick by Calgary in 2013. And they also signed goaltenders Philip uh, DeRosier and Joe Verbetic. Uh, both will have uh, one-year two-way AHL contracts. It's... Uh, I- the, the goaltender uh, situation is um, uh, they're going, they need goaltenders for uh, Trois-Rivières as well in the ECHL. So uh, all three of those players are, are given the two-way contract. That's two-way AHL, ECHL contract, so they can travel. I, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Joe Verbetic. Um, you know, there's always movement uh, in the AHL. Uh, maybe get a few games uh, with the Laval Rocket uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, Verbetic, uh, formerly a seventh-round draft pick by Montreal in 2021, and uh, De Rosier spent last season with the Trois-Rivières Lions. Laval Rocket also signed a uh, defenseman Alex Green, forward Gabriel Bork, and goaltender Kevin Poulain to one-year, one-way AHL contracts. So I guess it's kind of nice to keep uh, the Poulain-Primo tandem together. They seem to work well, like really well together. Uh, Both had uh, points in last season in which they were stars for this team. Uh, Gabriel uh, Bork and uh, Alex Green will also uh, provide a little bit of depth, and I guess that's more veteran presence around this team. Uh, And... That's true. Um, it's just going to have to be, uh, with respect to the goaltenders, Kevin Poulin, Caden uh, Primo had a miserable season in the AHL and NHL uh, last year, regular season. Um, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. Um, he didn't play well and, and really lost the starting job. Ke- uh, Kevin Poulin was the better goaltender. Uh, started in the ECHL and came up and and uh, had more starts, had a better record um, and better stats than than Primo. What we want to see this upcoming year is um, is uh, Caden Primo to get at least two thirds of the starts in the regular season, and um, I I think that uh, Jeff Fool and the coaching staff and Marcel, Marco Marciano, the goaltending coach, I think they have to resist the temptation. Uh, to use Kevin Poulin because they need a win, or I think you have to let Caden Primo uh, struggle. I think you have to let Caden Primo fight through some things because uh, he needs some development uh, and he needs some consistency, and, and uh, this is the year that he's going to be counted on to do that. And uh, hopefully that year uh, starts on October 14th at home against the Belleville Senators. The AHL announced their regular season schedules for all 32 teams. Uh, That home opener on uh, Friday, October 14th will be followed up by a game in Belleville the very next day. So a nice home and home against a division rival to start off the season. Quite familiar with, uh, they should be quite familiar with Belleville. And as you said, uh, a home and home, that's that's a a great uh, um, opponent for um, both teams uh, and and, uh, being able to fill the buildings 
um, uh, both in Belleville and Lavelle. And uh, just a little bit before that, uh, as reported last week, the Canadians confirmed that uh, the rookies will be part of the 2022 Prospect Challenge uh, from September 14th to 20th in Buffalo. So th- this is uh, pretty fun. Uh, it's likely going to be the first look at Slavkovsky for a lot of uh, various Habs fans. Uh, teams like Buffalo, New Jersey, Ottawa, and others will participate in this tournament. Yeah, the Sabres, Senators, Devils, Bruins, Penguins, and Canadians. Uh, This is something we told you about last week. It was confirmed by the Canadians this week, uh, running from uh, September 14th to 20th. Uh, And then the next day, the very next day, uh, September 21st, is the start of the Montreal Canadiens' main uh, training camp. And we'll we'll see players from that rookie uh, camp uh, also appearing in in the main camp, um, but it's not that far away. Um, September fourteenth is not that far away, so um, it's it's getting exciting already. Well, there's uh, another camp that's even sooner, uh, July twenty fourth to August third. Uh, Canadians prospects Luke Tuck, Blake Biondi, and Lane Hudson have been invited by the USA Hockey to the National Junior Evaluation Camp. So that should be pretty exciting to see. Absolutely, um, this is this is setting up for the World Juniors, the postponed World Juniors that normally take place over. Uh, the Christmas break uh, now postponed, uh, stopped uh, because of, of COVID, postponed till August. Um, and uh, the, the Canadians' prospects um, have a good chance of, of making the U.S. team. Um, many were, including myself, were impressed with Lane Hudson at the Canadians' uh, development camp. Uh, Luke Tuck, um, he's, he's been turned down a couple of times before. He has his eyes set on, on being part of that U.S. team and Blake Biondi. Uh, so we're going to have some hockey to watch uh, next month that will likely include Canadians' prospects. Be sure to read all the content at ahl.report and listen to slash subscribe to the Press Zone. Next week, we got Rick and Amy, and uh, they'll be making sure that you're all up to date with everything Canadians' prospects. We have our quotes of the week that we're going to get to here. Uh, the first one comes from Jeff Gordon. Uh, what do we know about this one, Rick? Jeff Gordon was uh, appeared this week. Um, he since uh, Kent Hughes as uh, since he brought Kent Hughes to the organization, um, he's kind of taken a step back into the shadows and let Kent do his his thing. Um, and as far as the media goes, not to say that Jeff Gordon has uh, you know not been very active and been part of all of the decisions that have been made. Jeff Gordon obviously is the person that has a ton of experience um, and and particularly as a general manager he also has a lot of contacts around the league and um, he was on the Bob McCown uh, pod podcast with John Shannon and um, and and talked about um, how he all all kinds of things how he brought Kent Hughes to the organization um, how they brought um, Marty St. Louis um, talked about the draft talked about uh, what's left um, his uh, kind of their 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 uh, view on um, on uh, bringing homegrown players uh, to the organization. Um, but in particular, uh, we've, we've heard it several times, uh, how difficult this decision was at the draft, 
uh, when it came to the first overall choice. And uh, what we'll play is, is Jeff Gorton's, he offers um, his thoughts on why they came to that decision. As far as Slavkovsky is, is just a player that, uh, you know, we just felt like is uh, very difficult to find, you know, that size, that power, that skating. And, uh, you know, when we looked at him, we, we thought, yeah, he's a big man, but there's, uh, when you look at his face, he looks like he's 16. So there's room to grow there. So it was, uh, you know, we all had gone to the world championships and, and saw that what he was able to do after the Olympics. So uh, it became uh, a person that we really felt like we had to have. A player we felt we really needed to have um, the unicorn, the, the, the player who maybe isn't is his game isn't polished, um, who who isn't a complete player yet, who's pretty raw, but uh, unique enough uh, that, that they needed to have that player. And and he elsewhere he, um, in the, the podcast, he talks about um, the strengths of Shane Wright, how um how they they spent a lot of time uh, with Shane Wright, uh, understanding the player he is, and he was very complimentary about Shane Wright. He was asked about the famous, you know, did did Shane Wright give a stare down? And and he he said, yeah, he's heard those things, but it wasn't a big deal if it really happened. Um, he th- said that they had a very good. Uh, impression of Shane Wright, and it was a difficult decision. He confirmed what everyone else, Nick Bobrov, uh, Kent Hughes, has said that that the decision and the discussion and the debate went right down to the to the morning of the draft, Thursday morning. Uh, it wasn't till then uh, that they decided on Yuri Slavkovsky, and and, um, and they're they're very happy uh, about the decision they made. I like it. Plain and simple. This is a player that we had to have. That's a great uh, quote from Jeff, and uh, I'm glad we got to hear that. Uh, we also have some audio coming from Stefan Waite uh, in regards to Carey Price. And let's give a reminder to, to the folks. Stefan Waite, uh, the former uh, goaltender coach, for long-term goaltender coach with Canadians uh, who had worked with Carey Price so long, who knows Carey Price so well, who has stayed in touch with Carey Price um, this is what he had to say about Carey Price being ready uh, to go in the fall. But for Carey, he, he always took, took care of his body very, very, very well. He trained hard. He, uh, he's, uh, he, he, he eat well, you know. He's always take care of his body. So I think this, this guy, uh, Carey, can come back and to me, uh, I, I think he's going to be in uh, in September and he's going to be healthy. But uh, like every goalie at this age, you can't play him a 60 game anymore. So we got to be smart the way you manage his time uh, for the games and practices. And so that's very important. That's why that's very important to have a very good backup like Jake Allen. Yeah. So Jake Allen can take uh, easily at 30, 35 games a year and uh, carry uh, 45 games in the perfect world. So, uh, no, I think uh, that there's a lot of hockey left in carry. And uh, honestly, uh, honestly, if I had to bet some uh, some money, I think uh, I'll bet that carry was going to be ready for next season. So that certainly circulated on social media and, and, and gave some, some hope to Canadians fans about Carey Price. I think... Um, 
I, I we know the way uh, Stefan Waite. He's very smart. He, he's one of the best goaltending coaches um, in the NHL, and 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 now he's stepped away from that. He said he's had some NHL offers, but he's looking for the right fit to return uh, to the NHL. Uh, but he made a comment. Um, you know, I th- I think that Carey Price has been. Um, Overworked in the past and and pushed in the past, uh, used too much, um, and I think he talked about that there. That you can't do that. You can't ride him the way he has been in the past. Um, that his workload has got to be better managed. Didn't happen under Bergevin. Didn't happen under uh, Bergevin's coaching staff. Uh, if he's going to return and and uh, return uh, to be as uh, impactful as he was before. That workload has to be managed. And I know that um, Carey Price um, uh, being left out of practice has uh, ruffled the feathers of some media and uh, and some fans saying, you know, why is he skipping practice? It's about managing his workload. And, and we know now that the more time he spends on the ice, the greater the, the chance that there's going to be inflammation uh, in his knee and uh, they really need to manage his workload. That includes game starts, but it also includes uh, practice as well. So maybe that's part of of why Sam Montembeau is going to be around. E- you know, e- even if uh, uh, Jake Allen and, and Carey Price are going to be able to uh, uh, manage the net, that, that Montembeau being around can uh, can help that as well. Um I I I I think that that Stefan Wait, um, you know he's he's being hopeful, um, but we don't know we don't know whether Carey Price is going to be able to start uh, in October when the puck drops on opening night. Uh, we won't know that until he gets on the ice uh, during training camp uh, and seeing how that knee reacts. Yeah, certainly provides a bit of a positive spin uh, for us. And uh, like Stefan Waite's kind of alluding to, you, you can never have too many goalies in the system. You see it around the league. Everyone's looking for uh, that one-two punch, a good tandem. You don't want to have to overwork goaltenders anymore in this day and age. And uh, we have a little bit more audio coming up uh, from Stefan Waite uh, in regards to uh, the career goal for Carey Price. The only thing he wants to achieve for the rest, that's to win that that cup and uh he he talked to me a lot and we had a lot of discussion in the past on the career the only thing he wants is to win the cup but he always said also i want to win the cup with the montreal canadian and he's uh very attached to that um, to montreal he's very attached to the uh, canadian tradition stuff like that and he loved the history of the team and it's um, uh, and I think you know many many um, fans and media are saying, well, why wouldn't he want to go elsewhere uh, and have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup? And that 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 may still happen, but that would be a very difficult moment for Carey Price because he wants to win a Stanley Cup in Montreal, and that's why it was so difficult uh, when when he and Shea Weber. Uh, weren't able to bring the the cup to the Canadians, and that, yet they got so close in that uh, Stanley Cup final against uh, the Lightning uh, that his preference, he he said it many times, part of his in, uh, identity is wearing uh, the Canadian sweater um, and being the goaltender for the Canadians. 
so that's his preferred path because of of the history, because he's he's set almost every uh, Canadian's goaltending record. Uh, and there's just one more thing for him to do, and that's win a cup in Montreal for the Canadians. Yeah, I, I think everybody wants to see him get that cup at some point, especially in a Montreal jersey. That would just be absolutely bone-chilling to be able to see him do that. It's unfortunate that it hasn't happened yet. I, I would argue that... Uh, it's not happened despite Price's efforts, but uh, mm-hmm. anyways, that's, uh, that's he is in the position where he is right now. I hope to see him in a Montreal jersey come the fall. Uh, we also, uh, this past week, got to hear from newly acquired Mike Matheson. Uh, he uh, talked a little bit about what it means to him to uh, wear a Montreal jersey. been definitely a big whirlwind. Um, I got to say, I didn't see any sort of trade coming, um, but... But when I did to to hear that it was Montreal was was pretty special. I mean, I grew up in Montreal, obviously, in in, in the West Island, and um, learned how to play hockey watching Montreal Canadiens games, and, and was a huge huge fan. Our whole family would would sit down and watch every game. Um, so to think that I'll be able to pull on that sweater and and play in the Bell Center every night is. Uh, is is really special it's it's a crazy feeling and it's it's uh pretty hard to describe it almost feels surreal it 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 must have been um just uh, yeah a feeling that that he had to um kind of figure out he said it was almost surreal hearing that he was going to get to play for the team that he had cheered for as so long as as a child and got him excited about hockey uh, he talked about his favorite player being Saku Koivu, and um, and and all those memories came rushing back uh, when he was told about the trade. So um, this is this is something that that Matheson is going to, um, I, I think, take very seriously. He he knows his role. He knows that uh, he's there to provide mentorship to the Canadians' young defensemen. Um, and, uh, and, and that he's going to be expected to be, you know, he came from a, a club, uh, with Latang and Malkin and, and Crosby that, that kind of carried the torch, but he's ex- going to be expected to be much more of a leader in the Canadians dressing room than he was in Pittsburgh. We always see, uh, those pictures of, uh, when players grow up Leaf fans and they're wearing, uh, leaf uh, pajamas as children uh, let's uh, let's see if we can get a photo of uh, michael matheson <laughs> as a child wearing montreal canadians pajamas or something that'd be great <laughs> we also uh, heard from uh, kirby doc this past week uh, newly acquired at uh, the draft and uh, he talked a little bit about his reaction to the trade i didn't see it coming at all i was quite uh, quite shocked and it took me a while to get out of that state of shock before i really let my emotions kind of take over because I was, uh, I think I was extremely excited. Obviously, first thing I did was look at kind of Montreal's depth chart and who's there and stuff. And they got a like a really fun forward group, and I think that'll be good for my skill set to kind of fit in there. But like you said, I, I have a place in Chicago now, uh, full time, and I kind of fell in love with the city. Loved the city there. The guys were great. I like you're just so comfortable that you don't want to leave. But, um, it sucks to see that part of the hockey business. I mean, you, you see it when teammates get traded and go through that, but uh, for yourself to get traded, it's a whole uh, whole different thing. And um, it was definitely sad leaving Chicago. I didn't really want to, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's a business. And um, I've got a great opportunity 
in a, in a great city to, to form uh, some great friendships and um, get along with some great guys there and uh, hopefully have some success. I, I, this was an amazing answer from Kirby Doc. And Kirby Doc maybe has been kind of the forgotten guy traded at uh, during the draft uh, where the, the spotlight uh, from the draft has been on Slavkovsky. Uh, Kirby Doc uh, was a big acquisition. Uh, the Canadians gave up a, a steep price to get him. Um, and his, um, his media availability, his official media avail- availability, which happened uh, a while back, was uh, sparsely attended by the media, didn't go on uh, that long, and, and he was very guarded in uh, that. This uh, was taken, this quote was taken from uh, the John Scott, we remember all-star John Scott, uh, St. John's, uh, John Scott and um, from John Scott's podcast and and I found Kirby to be uh, far more open. He talked about mixed emotions. A young player uh, experiencing his first trade, um, and he you know he knew what was happening in Chicago. Uh, there was some rumors about him, but uh, he said when Alex DeBrincat was traded, um, there he was uh, sending a sending a text uh, saying uh, sorry and, and good luck and and uh, hate to see you go and all that kind of stuff to Debrinkat. And he said uh, shortly, shortly thereafter, he was getting similar texts back. And it, it kind of threw him for a bit. And and Canadians fans shouldn't see that, that, oh, you know, he's not embracing coming here. He said he's, he's excited and looking forward to the opportunity. But um, that shock of that first trade... Uh, and all those emotions, I thought was an important thing to play. Yeah, very honest answer from Kirby Doc that uh, certainly humanizes him quite a bit. Uh, we also uh, got to hear from from him a little bit, uh, describing what Habs fans should expect from him. Uh, just like a big, rangy, 200-foot right shot center that uh, plays both ends of the rink. Um, smart offensively, more of a passer, but definitely, uh, definitely been working on my shot all, uh, all summer here and um, trying to find different ways to score and create scoring chances. Tough? Tough. Sometimes. Sometimes. When he needs to be. <laughs> exactly. When, when the occasion, when I get angry enough, like I said last time, if I get ever angry enough, it'll happen. You don't want to make him angry. What number jersey am I going to buy? <sighs> 77. 77. Yeah, Is that not retired in Montreal? No. It's not? Not yet. No. No, Kulak wore it last, and Gilbert wore it for them, or him, I think. Yeah. Again, that was John Scott breaking in, asking the questions there. Uh, very honest answer. Uh, first, you know, a very standard kind of self-assessment, and, and that he's a playmaker, uh, rangy, good size, um, and then probed a bit further about his toughness. Um, he saw him open up, and then uh, as John, as we were talking about, uh, the numbers and, and all those retired numbers, John Scott asked him about that. And to his credit, uh, Kirby Doc uh, knew uh, who had worn the jersey prior to him. So, uh, again, very, very open, uh, transparent kind of uh, answer there. Yeah, I think John Scott makes a better NHL All-Star than he does a <laughs> podcaster, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. It was a bit weird to listen to, but uh, you know what? I think Kirby Doc handled that well, and uh, really, he really seemed to carry that segment. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. I agree. 
So we're going to go to our NHL transactions from this past week. Uh, they all seem to have a little bit to do with the Montreal Canadiens. There's always a Canadiens connection involved in this. I'll start things off. Columbus Blue Jackets, so they sign uh, forward Patrick Lina to a four-year, $34.8 million contract. Uh, the Blue Jackets now have a number of interesting weapons on their wing uh, with the addition of Johnny Goudreau. It's, uh, you know, this is, they were, there was a lot of, of uh, poking fingers at Columbus saying, okay, you got Goudreau, but you're not going to be able to keep uh, Patrick Lina. And, and, uh, and they were able to get it done. Uh, um, congratulations to Yarmo Kaikalaikin. Congratulations. Uh, this this is uh, this is surprising the way they're being able to uh, remake this team now to get cap uh, compliant. They had to give up Oliver Bjorkstrand, a player I like quite a bit. He was off to uh, Seattle, and uh, but they're getting it done. They're they're they're. Giving some a reason for fans to be excited in Columbus, and the guy that uh, Lino was traded for in uh, Winnipeg, Pierre Luc Dubois, he signed a one-year, six million dollar contract. This prevents arbitration, and uh, that'll carry him through this season. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Pierre Luc Dubois in the second segment, I think. Uh, this uh, the signing happened um, on Friday, the same day that uh, Patrick Lina's uh, long term contract was signed. So that was kind of interesting. Um, neither the neither uh, Dubois nor uh, the Jets had uh, opted for arbitration. Um, that I think was was positive on both sides as they try to work things out. Dubois saying, you know, he doesn't plan to stay past 2024, uh, but the, you know, the Jets had obviously qualified him as an RFA uh, and then got the one-year signing done. Um, it's it's at a, a, a nice cap number uh, for the Jets and uh, maybe a lot is a, is a digestible number uh, that makes him uh, a little bit easier to trade. A tradable contract, uh, as you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida made a big splash last night. Uh, the Panthers acquired Matthew Kachuk and a conditional fourth-round pick from Calgary in exchange for Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, prospect uh, Cole Schwint, and Florida's lottery-protected first-round selection in 2025. Uh, this is uh, an insane trade. I, I didn't think that... Uh, Kachuk for Huberdeau and Weger was a trade that was possible to happen. Uh, I didn't realize that Huberdeau was going to get traded at all. And, uh, well, uh, what do you think the Habs connection is to this one, Rick? Well, it's, uh, yeah, first, just an absolutely monster trade blockbuster. Call it what you will. Happened late after 11 o'clock on Friday night. Um, Twitter was absolutely blown away by this trade. Um, you know, it, very difficult. Um, Matthew Kachuk had had put uh, the the Calgary Flames in a very difficult uh, position. Uh, Flames fans were were still reeling from the Gaudreau uh, situation, um, and uh, then for Matthew Kachuk to want out, um, and uh, I, I give full credit uh, to the Flames and Brad Treliving for able for what they were able to bring back. Um, that's exceptional value, uh, and probably uh, the the first round pick in 2025 is is going to be the most valuable. Um, but um, 
to get both uh, uh, Mackenzie Weger and, and Jonathan Huberdeau, that's, that's incredible uh, value. Still, having said that, I think that, uh, you know, Florida got uh, exceptional. They got, they got the best player in the trade, uh, and then they went on to lock him up. So this, was, this is a win-win for, for both sides. Um, you know, the Canadians fans right away uh, jumped in and said, well, uh, this means that, uh, you know, the, the, the Panthers are tanking and that increases the value of, of the first round pick that the unprotected pick that the Canadians have next year. I, I don't know about that. Uh, but also, uh, Canadians fans started eyeing the fact that both, uh, Uyghur and Huberdeau, uh, they're in their last year, uh, of, of a contract, just one year. Um, and, and that's really why Florida traded them both. Uh, they couldn't have signed uh, both of them when they went to unrestricted free agency um, next year. Um, and, uh, but Canadians fans are, are looking at that just one year away from Jonathan Huberdeau being an unrestricted free agent. And how about cashing in on that? I like Huberdeau as a player. Uh, Montreal's rebuilding. We'll see what happens. We'll circle back to this. This uh, connects very well to our Canadians Connection Question of the Week in Segment 3. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in Segment 3. But uh, to connect a little bit more to this trade, and you uh, mentioned it briefly, the Panthers then signed Matthew Kachuk to an eight-year, $76 million contract. Uh, another aspect of this is there's now two Kachuks in one division. Uh, so you have to feel bad for the Atlantic division to deal with so many Kachucks. <laughs> uh, we'll see how this affects the division overall. I wonder if uh, some teams are going to try to get a little bit tougher and uh, hopefully uh, Montreal uh, fares well uh, managing uh, with uh, two Kachucks in the same division. This, uh, the contract part, the locking him up for eight years uh, was a significant fact uh, to this trade. And, and one of the reasons that the Panthers can celebrate uh, how well they did in the trade. So uh, recently, it was uh, the premiere to Welcome to the NHL. So it's a behind-the-scenes look, uh, particularly at uh, the NHL 2022 draft. Uh, it follows uh, some players, including Uri Slavkovsky. I don't know, Rick, uh, you had a t- chance to watch this, and I'll uh, let you talk about this a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, the premiere of, of, of kind of unprecedented behind-the-scenes uh, look at the 2022 draft. Um, premiered uh, on ESPN Plus Friday night. Uh, it also was on the NHL's uh, YouTube site. Sportsnet will get uh, their premiere Saturday afternoon. Um, and uh, for Canadians fans, really worthwhile watching. You hear all kinds of comments about uh, from, you know, they, they mic'd up uh, Slavkovsky, Cooley, and Wright. Um, there was uh, behind-the-scenes uh, video of their families. Uh, but the interesting part is they also uh, followed Christian uh, Cairo, who was taken uh, by Dallas at number 50. Uh, Jeremy Langlois uh, was taken number 94 by Arizona to get a sense of uh, those players selected later in the draft. Uh, but certainly all, a lot of the focus and a lot of the the uh, 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 the film was about Slavkovsky, Cooley, uh, and Wright, and um, uh, just brilliant. And um, we'll play a clip here 
from the the critical moment uh, with regards to the Canadians fans when Kent Hughes stepped to the podium for the first overall pick. With our first pick in the 2022 NHL draft, the Canadiens de Montréal sont fiers de repêcher from the Slovakian national team and TPS Turku, Uri Slavkovsky. So there it is, the big Slovakian, not Shane Wright, who just can only clap right now. Oh, he's a good ball. Congrats, bud, eh? Out of what? Congrats, eh? Kill it there, eh? Congrats, ball. Well, I'm not shocked, but I am surprised. Yeah. Great pick by Montreal, but definitely not who I think everyone thought going into this season. Congratulations. This is a really big deal, and they love you already. Give me your jacket, and we're going to go get you a jersey. Thank you very much. A beautiful moment for Yuri Slavkovsky and his family. The highest pick Slovakian ever. In the middle, I don't believe actually still. No, it's okay. It's real. A bit surprising that they didn't take the center, but this is a guy that is flashy. He's got personality. We wanted some excitement in Montreal. They certainly got it by taking this pick. This is, it's brilliant, uh, brilliantly spliced together uh, and edited uh, from the moment that Ken Hughes announces his name to see the reaction uh, of his family and Uri is, is shocked. Um, then it, it shows Shane Wright, it shows uh, Logan Cooley. You hear the fan reaction, uh, which as you said, Michael, was very mixed um, at the time and, and, and for the most part, shock. Uh, then Cooley and Wright come over to congratulate him. Um, Slavkovsky up on stage with Bettman and the private words that Bettman had for him. Um, Slavkovsky gets uh, on the stage and, and uh, Jeff Gordon is directing traffic. And uh, you hear your eyes say, I don't believe it's real. And, uh, I don't, and, and Jeff Gordon say, yeah, it, this is real. Um, it's a really nice uh, behind-the-scenes moment, and and you're you're gonna want to watch uh, the the entire video. They picked the exact right draft to do a behind-the-scenes because of the amount of drama that went down. Uh, obviously, most people were expecting uh, right as number one, but uh, everything leading up to Slavkovsky going one—that's uh, gonna be an incredible watch. Uh, definitely recommend the Canadians fans get on that. Uh, a little bit of a spoiler here. Um, Shane Wright's dad, Simon, uh, for me, um, a dad's dad. What a what a great uh, supportive dad he is. What a great hockey dad he is in this. Um, you see him in the hotel room saying, you know, when that moment comes, when, when my son's picked, I don't know what I'm going to say to him. I'm going to have to come up with the exact right words when the camera's on, when I only have a second to congratulate him. And given the way that that things unfolded, he couldn't have imagined, uh, you know, how things got upset. And and uh, when he, uh, Shane Wright was chosen uh, fourth by Seattle, um, he grabbed him and said, uh, "It's never been about uh, when; uh, it's about where, and then it's about what you do." Brilliant, brilliant, very supportive. Um, uh, this is uh, very emotional to watch throughout. Yeah, uh, amazing words. Uh, I wish I could come up with words just as good as that. 
But the best I can do for right now is uh, coming up in our big topic segment, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Montreal and the Jets potentially making a trade. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. I'll also give you all just a reminder to, to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. And this is a segment that's all about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think something might be cooking there, Rick. You think so? Yeah, I <laughs> maybe, feeling with <laughs> maybe brewing for uh, several <laughs> since his draft year. Yeah, it's going to be an aged dish, and uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, who knows, after all these years, uh, especially well, in the, within the last few weeks leading up to the draft and everything, you could tell that something was on a bit of a simmer, and it's it's starting to get pretty real, isn't it? Uh, I've got my finger on the Batman uh, button, so you just let me know <laughs> if you need it. Sounds good. Uh, so Pierre-Luc Dubois would like to play for the Montreal Canadiens. That uh, came out pretty recently. But uh, right now he uh, w- signed a contract uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. It's one year. It's $6 million. Uh, Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens would like to make the trade happen. But uh, each general manager is playing a bit of a patient game. We're going to wait and see who blinks first. Um it's like I said, it's been rumored for so long and uh, we're going to take a look at uh, what a potential Pierre-Luc Dubois trade could mean for both teams from the Canadians and the Jets. We'll start off with the uh, Canadians perspective. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens potentially bringing in a Pierre-Luc Dubois and what that could mean for the rebuild and the franchise in general? What's fascinating about this is that um, the Canadians' interest in uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois spans uh, different uh, tenures of of general managers. 
Um, so it, 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 it makes one think that perhaps uh, Jeff Molson is, is, uh, is really behind this um, because of the fact that, that um, you know, he's, he's a, a, a big power forward, um, his bulldozing style with some skill. Um, when he wants to play, when he decides to play, he can be a dominating player. He is uh, a center. We, we saw that he's played some wing uh, in Winnipeg recently. Um, but back to 2016, when he was chosen third overall by Columbus, and we've said it many times, Mark Bergevin uh, did everything except get on his knees and beg uh, Jarmo Kaikalaikin. It... Um, it was something that that they wanted to happen. It was something that they wanted to deliver uh, that that great um, francophone hope to Montreal Canadiens fans, and and you know it's it's died down um, over time, but but then it 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 pops up, and um, you know there was talk ab- about um, Pierre Luc Dubois and. and uh, in, in 2021, um, then it came back around uh, at draft time. And um, Pierre, to the extent, and we've said this before, Pierre-Luc Dubois was at the draft. He flew to be at the draft in, in Montreal because uh, he was expecting a trade to be announced. Um, his agent, Pat Brisson, um, you know, wasn't... Uh, wasn't very shy of saying that um, he wants to to play in Montreal. That's his desired uh, destination. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois let it be known publicly in Winnipeg that he has no intention of um, returning to Mont- uh, to uh, Winnipeg uh, when he becomes an, a free, an unrestricted free agent in 2024 that uh, and that kind of sets up a a difficult situation for the next two years um, for Pierre-Luc Dubois so there's all this pressure uh, to get things done we know that um, um, it it was reported that uh, a really healthy a generous offer was made uh, just before the draft by Kent Hughes to the Winnipeg Jets uh, that was turned down by Kevin Shoveldayoff, the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, that, uh, you know, and, and many have speculated what was in that offer. Uh, did it include a Josh Anderson? Did it include a Christian Dvorak? Did it include um, a, pr- um, a prime prospect for the Canadians? Um, did it include a young player uh, or a young player? And, um what will it what will it take uh, to to make that trade happen? Um, for Kent Hughes, uh, I think he can afford to be patient. Um, he was patient with the Arturi Lekanen trade that worked out great. Patient with respect to Jeff Petrie, eh, it worked out okay. Um, so uh, but in this situation, um, you have Pierre Luc Dubois arriving. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's 24 years old. Um, is he, is he the, the, the player who's going to be able to grow, uh, with a Suzuki and a Caulfield, um, and a Slavkovsky, um, is, is that going to work out? Because Kent, it's not only bringing the players together, it's making sure that the timing so that they all reach their potential at the same time. 
is Dubois included in that group? Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And and again, uh, are any of the players I mentioned, um, are they able to, if you're making that trade and, and, and you want to bring in Dubois, are they are they able to to remain uh, given that you got to give up some pretty good assets to bring him in? Um, is Kirby Doc uh, the the player we heard we heard from Kirby Doc? Is he the guy that gets flipped out um, for the for the Jets? Um, it's it's a different situation, but for the Canadians, um, you know they can afford to be patient. Uh, maybe they they. Be patient right to the point where he's an unrestricted free agent, but they're t- they're accepting the risk in that case that another team is not going to swoop in, um, because although Pierre Luc Dubois has said I'd I'd love to play, I want to play in Montreal, he's not in he he doesn't have a uh, you know he can't choose where he's going, so the Jets can always trade him elsewhere if they get a better offer. Uh, from another general manager who uh, needs a player like that. Hey, by the time uh, Dubois uh, going to become a UFA, his mind could change. He could end up on another team and decide, you know what, I, I kind of like it here. Maybe I, I don't end up going to Montreal. But right now, the situation as we know it is Dubois has kind of just made it known that he would like to be a Montreal Canadian. And I, I don't know if Montreal can make this fit right now, uh, down the middle, you look at it, they have Suzuki, they have doc Evans, Dvorak, Pitlick. Those are all players that could play center. You'd have to think that at least one, maybe two of those guys probably ends up having to go to Winnipeg in a trade. Uh, do you, do you think that Dubois, it would be a good fit in Montreal? I mean, besides the fact that, uh, uh, I'm assuming Jeff Molson probably has asked for this player to be a Montreal Canadian at some point. Uh, does it really make sense that Dubois joined the Montreal Canadiens this offseason? It scares me the fact that he's so young. He's 24 years old, and he's already asked to move twice. Um, yeah. I, I frankly, uh, his conduct in Columbus was um, of the kind... I'd never want a player like that on my team. Uh, he quit playing. He quit playing on the ice. Um, we've we've we saw the videos of that. They he put Columbus in a terrible situation, um, and where he just stopped playing um, to, in order to force a trade. Uh, is that the kind of attitude that you want on your team? Has he matured from that? Although you know, here he is again saying. Uh, I want out of I want out of Winnipeg, um, and, and you know when he arrived in Winnipeg, there was all kinds of of reason for him to, um, you know he he talked about being back in Canada and he liked that he was in the same organization as his father, um, who's a coach with the Moose. Uh, you know there was all kinds of positives he spoke about and has soured quite quickly and wants to move on uh, again. Um, you know, can you say, okay, now for sure he's learned, and once he gets what's he, what he wants in, in Montreal, maybe he'll be fine. Um, and that all of those negative aspects of the uh, attitude disappear. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can guarantee that. Well, 
Yeah, there's a certain attitude there that uh, is could be a little bit problematic, especially since Montreal has so many young players coming in. Do you really want those young players to be exposed to a, what could be a pretty bad attitude from Pierre-Luc Dubois? So that's definitely a risk that uh, you have to consider if you're Montreal. And the other big thing, too, is, well... Where, where's the cap space for Montreal? Can they even really afford to bring in this guy? The Jets are going to have to take on like one or two pretty substantial contracts from Montreal in order to make this work. So that's certainly problematic. And with the style that Dubois plays, uh, I'm not sure if that really goes with Montreal has. Uh, Montreal, with, I guess, with Suzuki and Dvorak and Doc, those are three very... Uh, very defensively responsible centers for the most part. Uh, you already have a Ram Petlick who's more of an offensive guy. Do you want to throw a Dubois into that mix? It's hard to say. And looking at what Dubois' age is, I don't know that he'll be a guy that's going to grow with this young core. By the time uh, Montreal's out of the rebuild, uh, Dubois is going to, he's not going to be getting any younger at that point. So I, I don't know. Uh, this there are so many questions that go into Montreal's perspective of uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, exactly, um, and yeah, does he fit the need? Does he does he mesh well with the players that are there? Can his attitude change? Um, you know that that the he's going to be adored um, by the fans um, if uh, Ken Hughes is able to pull this off. However. Um, at the same time, will fans be able to accept uh, the players that are shipped uh, the other way? Uh, you know, the, the Jets need forwards. Uh, their defense, they actually have, two, uh, they have, have a logjam at defense. They need forwards. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're, they're going to be asking for the forwards that you like as fans. Uh, they're not going to be asking for the ones that, um, you know, get always get um, thrown into these guys. They're not going to ask for a Hoffman or a Gallagher, or um, they're, they're going to ask for the ones that you like. Uh, just, just um, accept that. And, and are you going to um, be able to, um, you know, uh, uh, release your feelings for the other players and, and then welcome Pierre-Luc Dubois into the, uh, into the team. You can't predict. Um, Being a fan is, is, is a game of the heart and uh, you can't predict how that's going to turn out. Yeah. You'd have to wonder if that, Name's going to be a Josh Anderson and a Dvorak. Uh, who knows? If you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're probably going ahead and asking for a Suzuki and or a Caulfield and or a Kirby Dock as well. The like the list could go on and on and on. And if you're Montreal, I, I don't know if it's really worth it for you to give up uh, one of your top players plus plus plus. Uh, I mean, the, there's potential that Winnipeg's looking for top prospects there's potential that Winnipeg's looking uh, for Montreal to include a first round pick in there as well so it's really hard to say and especially the first year of a rebuild is that what you do uh, in your first offseason of a rebuild do you go out and get a Pierre-Luc Dubois that's uh that's pretty bizarre and honestly I I it there's just so many things to react to here it's hard to it's really hard to say like 
without having any kind of a basis for this. I mean, you look around the league, has there ever been a team that's gone out and made a splash like a Pierre-Luc Dubois in the first year of a rebuild? It's interesting as, as I look, um, through the, the, the fan tweets and one that was more, that was pretty popular this past week, um, was a proposed trade for Matthew Kachuk. Um, and the trade proposed that the Montreal Canadiens would send to the Calgary Flames, Josh Anderson and Yol Armia for Matthew Kachuk and the Flames 2023 first round pick. Um, when you compare that to what the actual return was, <laughs> uh, obviously ridiculous. And, and, and again, fans are okay. I could put up with, get, you know, letting uh, Armia go and, and maybe an Anderson if we're going to get back a Kachuk in a first round. But that's, I mean, this is not realistic. Uh, the, the Panthers had to give up a ton uh, to get a Matthew Kachuk. And I expect uh, the Montreal Canadiens, if this trade is consummated, would have to give up an absolute ton to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if we want to consider what uh, things are from the Jets' perspective as well, uh, to an extent here, yeah, their their hands are forced, but if they really want to, they can they can also be a little bit patient. They can wait the next two years and just hang on to Pierre-Luc Dubois if, they, if that's the route that they want to go rather than you know, make a trade that they're not happy with. Obviously they don't want to end up in a position where they lose nothing. They'll likely want to trade him before that, of course, but you know, they, they can be pretty patient as well. Almost just as patient as uh, the Montreal Canadians can be in this situation. He's signed to a one year contract at Dubois simply going to have to show up and play for the Winnipeg jets. If he doesn't get traded this summer, that's just kind of how that goes. And like with Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah, he can come out and say, I want to play for Montreal, but hey, the, he doesn't have a no-trade clause or anything. The Jets are open to just go and trade him anywhere as long as they like the return. That's absolutely right. And we, we really have to consider this from the Jets' perspective and um, consider, uh, you know, what their situation is when they when they acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois. They gave up a lot in uh, Patrick Lina and, and Jack Roslovic. Jack Roslovic was considered um, a center of the future. And, you know, if, if you're looking at... Um, Setting it, it said that that if you're looking at being a contender, you need two, uh, you know, a one A and a one B center um, down the middle. Um, so the Jets were thinking of a Shifley Roslovic. Um, so they wanted something significant back, and they wanted a center back, um, and that's what they got in Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, we remember that, you know, talking about that situation, Patrick Lina had, had indicated that he wanted, he, and Roslovic too, that they weren't very happy in Winnipeg. Um, and that's the situation that, that brought Dubois to Winnipeg in the first place. Uh, was Shevel Dayoff patient? V- very patient in that regard. We can look at other trades uh, that Shevel Dayoff has, has made. Um, Jacob Truba sat out of camp um, Way back in 2016, uh, saying that he wanted to be traded, um, he filed for arbitration uh, two years later in in 2018 and trying to force the Jets' hand. 
the Chevaldeoff just remained patient until he got the right offer um, and traded him to the Rangers uh, in 2018 uh, for Neil Pionk, who is uh, there uh, on their top pairing, uh, and a first-round pick that became uh, Veli Hinola, their top uh, defensive uh, prospect. Um, Chevaldeoff in a difficult situation with a disgruntled Truba was just patient and not patient for days or weeks for years uh, until he got the offer that he wanted. Um, We go back further, Evander Kane. Um, Evander Kane, uh, and and he just recently said this in a media availability in Edmonton, that he asked for a trade every single year he was in Winnipeg, which doesn't surprise us given the character of, of Evander Kane. But from that first time that he um, asked for the trade, three off seasons uh, went by before Chevaldeoff traded him. He uh, Chevaldeoff took Evander Kane, added in Zach Bogosian, and got back defenseman Tyler Myers now in in Vancouver, Drew Stafford, uh, a veteran, Yoel Armia uh, came from Buffalo, Brendan Lemieux, and the first round pick that became Ross Levick. a huge haul. Um, for a disgruntled uh, Evander Kane and, and an Evander Kane that had uh, got on the wrong side of Dustin Bufflin, which you really don't want to do. Um, so uh, Shevel Dayoff is a very patient man, and he gets what he wants. So um, you know, I've, I, I talked to a, a couple of uh, reporters in Winnipeg this past week, um, and while the Canadians are anxious for something to happen, to happen now, to happen before the season, they tell me uh, that they expect Chevy to be very patient and uh, uh, don't hold your breath that this may not happen uh, very soon. You have two general managers who have both shown that they're willing to be patient and wait it out. Uh, in some cases, like you mentioned off the top of the segment, it's it's paid off for uh, Kent Hughes, and he's been able to bring back a haul. But uh, there have been some cases in which uh, it's not really worked out, uh, like the Petrie trade. So it, it's really a game of who's going to blink first and who's going to give in to what the other general manager wants. One of the one of the things I'm kind of wondering is where does Winnipeg see themselves this year? Are they going to be competing for another playoff spot or are they going to start tearing down and rebuild? Because you remember, they didn't make the playoffs last year and it wasn't too long ago that uh, there were some rumors going around that uh, maybe Winnipeg was starting to shop a wheeler around in a trade. So uh, from that perspective, if uh, the Jets are looking more on uh, the end of they want a top... Uh, probably a first round draft pick plus some prospects and maybe a roster player, then that's going to be, that's going to be difficult for Montreal to be able to, to give that up uh, to bring in a Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's a really good point. Um, The Jets are shopping Wheeler. Uh, We know Shifley has uh, in his year end meeting has uh, expressed some dissatisfaction with the club and wants to know their direction. Um, Stasny uh, said that that the club uh, is uh, dysfunctional. Um, now, I think that that the the talent was there, and and that the Jets fully expected to make the playoffs uh, last year. They were dealing with Paul Maurice uh, leaving uh, an interim coach. Um, you know, say what you will about about him, 
but that's one of the reasons uh, that they wanted Trots to come in and settle things down. And, and they settled for a Rick Bonus, very experienced, a lot of experience. And they hope that um, it's, it's not necessarily the, uh, the, that they need a, a lot of extra talent, but uh, that uh, they need a different, um, a, a different person at the helm uh, to guide them through and a bit of a culture change. Um, is that the answer? Uh, we we don't know and and what will happen with Wheeler um, and whether um, uh, Shifley can be contented and and uh, and they all pull in the same direction. This has got a lot of moving parts both on the Winnipeg side and on the Montreal side. Um, and as we've said, this is this has gone on uh, a fair bit. Um, and and we thought it was interesting um, to to bring in one of our contributors. Mike Rashel, and uh, and you had a chance to spend some time with him. Thank you, Rick. Uh, I would like to welcome one of our RSM contributors and writer for All Habs Online magazine, Mr. Uh, Mike Rashel. Uh, Mike, a few years back, actually in uh, 2021, wrote a very, very interesting article uh, named The Habs Are Better Without Pierre-Luc Dubois. And for whatever reason, this uh, article seems to be very relevant still today. Uh, so I wanted to bring you on the show, Mike, just to talk a little bit about that. I'll just start things off by gathering your thoughts on the fact that uh, the Pierre-Luc Dubois de Montreal rumors have resurfaced. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's uh, brought back a lot of memories, actually. And it's, it's kind of crazy reading, reading through it uh, a couple of years later. All you have to do is change a couple of names and the situation is still almost the same not to not to kind of give away my my thoughts right off but right off the top but uh yeah at the time i i felt like it was even though it was a player that Habs uh brass especially management was kind of fascinated with going back to all the drama around his draft year um i always felt like it was a player that never really fit and the biggest part of the reason behind it was they already had three players in their system that i felt had if not similar then more upside than Dubois had, and it could have possibly meant trading one or even both of those, so Suzuki and Kotkaniemi at the time, to acquire Dubois. So it, for me, it, it felt like that franchise would have been going backwards if they did that at the time. So as it pertains to today, uh, Montreal just finished in the last place. They just selected first overall, um, and the r- rumors seem to have resurfaced that they might have some interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's fascinating that we were still talking about it, and I, I think it unfortunately has a lot to do with uh, with the name and the uh, the accent on the name. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, it's my opinion hasn't changed. It's still a player that they do not need in their system. He would cost way too much. First off, and secondly, they have Suzuki as that uh, as that one A. I mean, he's he I think he's established himself as a first line center. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to be a, a top 10 in the league center, for example, but I think he's definitely established himself as that uh, number one center. I feel like Doc has the potential to be a very, very strong number two center. And at that point, where would you even put Dubois? You still have Dvorak, you still have Evans. They're both very capable third line centers. If, if this was a team that was in a position to go on a run and was really ready to contend for a Stanley Cup right now, then yes, you could argue that you know Dubois would obviously add to that center core. You could bump down a Dvorak or an Evans 
or a doc and have a very good, you know, one, two, three. But we're nowhere close to that. We just drafted first overall. I don't think they're anywhere close uh, to uh, to competing again for at least a couple of seasons. And I think that's that's how they should be developing uh, the core that they have in place now. You know, they build with the same age group of players and let the, let them show you what they have before you you go all in on a player that just has the right accent on their name. I hate that it always comes back to that, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. So Pierre-Luc Dubois just signed a one-year $6 million contract with Winnipeg. It expires at the end of uh, next season. Do you think that Montreal could potentially pursue that uh, in the free agent market, or do you think Montreal is still just better off staying away from this player? It all depends what happens with their center core at this point. I mean, if, uh, if a Dvorak is, uh, is gone, I mean, there's a lot of rumors that he could be traded any time. If he's gone and then, you know, say Evans has established himself as, you know, the 4C, but there is a bit of a hole in between. And the rest of the core has kind of developed around Suzuki and Doc. Then, yeah, potentially they could look at it, but I just don't see Dubois ever being more than a very reliable number two center. I don't see him being a number one center. Do, do you find it worrisome that Pierre-Luc Dubois is still very, very young and he's already requested a trade for the second time in his career on his second team? Uh, is that part of the reason why you might want to stay away from a Pierre-Luc Dubois? Do you, do you worry that there might be some attitude issues there? Still 100% it worries me. Um I actually think the reason he signed this uh, one-year extension with Winnipeg is just for a little bit of good faith because it, it does not look good for a player under the age of 23 to not only make two trade requests, but to also have a holdout, and to also have a couple of games at the beginning of that season with Columbus there, his last one in 2021, where he was very clearly just coasting out there. It's not a very good look. And then add on to that as well. It's not only a trade request. It's a, I want to go to Montreal. This is this is my home province. This is where I grew up. This is where I want to be. Find a way to make it happen. That's not how professional sports work. Not only hockey, but anywhere. You, you can't just go out and, it doesn't matter who you are. You can't just go out and ask for, I, I want to be here, make it happen. That's just not how it works. And it, yeah, it's not an attitude I would want in in my business or in my dressing room. And I, I hope Hughes and Gordon agree with that. <laughs> well, thank you again, Mike Rachel. Uh, we appreciate you joining the show today and hearing all of your insights on uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, I hope you, you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Mike. Michael, that was terrific. Uh, Mike had written the article back in January of 2021 when the, this issue popped up again and, uh, it's 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 interesting that uh, some of the same issues uh, were were uh, raised their heads back then. Yeah, like Ma- Mike Rashel mentioned, it's almost identical. You just have to switch out a few names because there's no longer a Kakanyemi around, and uh, Suzuki's more of a, an established player. Those were both guys that he mentioned in that article written in uh, 2021. So it's interesting that uh, all all this time later, it, this is still going on, and you have to wonder. Like this was a very appropriately named uh, segment, and uh, who will blink first? 
Absolutely. And uh, will we find out this week? Uh, We haven't found out yet. We're still checking Twitter. We don't have to play Gary just yet, but (laughs) stay stay with us for the third segment. Uh, it, It may happen. For sure. So now I think this is a good time to take our final break on Canadians Connection. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 201 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit the website and also text us. We have our Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853-ROCKET. And uh, that, that was a nice uh, segment too, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. There's just n- a never-ending conversation around that. Well, uh, and it's it's difficult to give any definitive answers, um, and and I think there's so many opinions on this. Certainly from our our fan base, uh, and and those that 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 uh, send us messages, send us emails, uh, and visit uh, Facebook.com/slash Allahabs and and let their opinion known. There's a real myriad of of uh, opinions on uh, whether this is the trade that's going to set the Canadians in the direction of. Uh, the 25th Stanley Cup. So that will tie in nicely with our uh, Canadians Connection question of the week, which uh, I'll get to momentarily. But first, uh, we have plenty of content uh, available through Rocket Sports. 
First of all, head over to allhabs.net for our All Habs magazine. Uh, weekly, we have our Habs notepad, and uh, also we put out uh, Habs headlines as they come along. Plus, our newest addition to the website, a fan's first NHL draft in Montreal. So we get to talk about our experience going to the draft here in Montreal. Some of our uh, Rocket Sports Media contributors got to come along, plus some fans and uh, some people that we know. It, it was a ton of fun, so you can read all about that. It's a fan's first NHL draft in Montreal. Dan Bennett, who uh, who happens to be a um, Maple Leafs fan, we we do our best to bring uh, fans uh, from all teams to the draft in providing them uh, with complimentary tickets uh, to join our crew, uh, to join the Rocket Sports team, to be at the draft, to have that experience. And we've done it for some time, and we thank the NHL for that uh, partnership that we have with them to give them such a unique experience. And and Dan did a great job uh, capturing the emotion and capturing his feelings about attending uh, his first draft. Um, the other thing we have on on the website is... is uh, uh, a look back at 1993 and the last time the Canadians won that 24th Stanley Cup. Uh, that's an interesting read, and and uh, I've gotten a few emails about that particular article, and just a uh, just a little heads up uh, that uh, I know what's going to be in the next Habs Notepad, and that is opening night op- an opening night lineup. Um, that's cap compliant. Chris, Chris is going to tackle that big chore this weekend, and on Monday you're going to see his uh, his view, and and we want to hear your view, but his view of even with all the the pieces going on, all of the motion, his view of what's going to be that opening night lineup in October. We also have a lot of content coming out on YouTube. Our Habs. Hockey Report comes out every Thursday. It's hosted by Amy Johnson. This last week's episode was entitled Goodbye, Jeff Petrie. Now who's next? So make sure uh, you go on our uh, All Habs YouTube page and check that out. You can subscribe. You can leave a like and a comment. Amy is great about responding to all the comments. Every week as well, she does a Habs fan forum question of the week. You can answer that and she'll likely read it on the next episode. We also have our Rocket Sports Radio podcast. As you're listening today, Canadians Connection, uh, it comes out every Saturday. Uh, It's going to come out every Saturday throughout the summer. We don't take any breaks, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything Montreal Canadiens. Plus, every Tuesday evening, the Press Zone comes out. We'll uh, make sure that you're up to date on everything AHL and Laval Rocket as well. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Habs prospects. Next week, it's going to be uh, Rick and Amy. And uh, do you have any little preview you can give us for that? Well, we're um, we're going to invite Patrick Williams back. And and um, what we had uh, in the as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we've we've seen the 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 regular schedule come out for. Um, the uh, for all uh, 32 uh, AHL teams, we're going to talk about how the rosters are are uh, coming together, uh, some important matchups. Um, so you're going to want to all we ask you to do. We're here all all summer, uh, providing the contact content for you. All we ask is for the press zone subscribe for Canadians Connection. You want to subscribe uh, to this podcast and for Habs Hockey Report on YouTube. Please subscribe. So now it's time for our Canadians Connection question of the week. So, the rebuild be damned. Are you all in on the Dubois-Huberdeau train to Montreal, no matter the cost? 
So once uh, <laughs> the Dubois rumors started resurfacing and once uh, Jonathan Huberdeau was traded to the Calgary Flames, we know his contract is up in one year. Some Montreal fans started to speculate, well, wouldn't it be great if we could have both uh, Dubois and Huberdeau on our team? Imagine a top line uh, with uh, Dubois and Huberdeau. It's interesting. You know, the Canadians fans are, you know, they said they understood um, at the end of the season that, that this, uh, the direction of the, of the franchise, the rebuild. Um, but given this, uh, this opportunity, uh, you see that the wheels start turning and they start saying, you know, rebuild be damned. <laughs> Let's get in on this Dubois-Huberdeau thing. Uh, they see all these big transactions and the Johnny Gaudreau's moving. And they see that uh, some of this can be jump-started. Um, so, but with all of this, it's, it's not without consequences. There's going to be a cost. Uh, so if you're on that kind of... Uh, the, your own wheels have started turning and saying... Okay, uh, I, I'm off the, the the rebuild train, and on uh, the the Dubois Huberdeau train. Um, I can put up with the cost. Are you one of those people, or are you more patient and say, "No, listen, championships are built at the draft, and I'm willing to go through the pain, the short pain, uh, for uh, the long term gain." So make sure you head over to facebook.com slash all Habs. Uh, we want to hear all your answers to this question. It's a, it's an interesting one. I'm not, I'm not sure uh, which side of this I'm on quite yet. And also uh, you can send us an email info at allhabs.net or send us a text five, eight, five, three rocket. So there are some important dates coming up uh, for the Montreal Canadians. So starting tomorrow, July the 24th, and this goes through to August the 3rd, the National Junior Evaluation Camp begins. Uh, prospects like Blake Biondi, uh, Lane Hudson, and others are going to be attending that one. And Luke Tuck. And so um, we're going we're gonna to have a, a, a chance to see whether any of those Canadians prospects will be part of uh, USA Hockey's team that they field in the World Junior Hockey Championships that's, uh, they're just a few weeks away. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on that. And uh, we'll make sure that we keep you up to date on uh, that as well. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. You can also share on social media if you like what you heard today. Enjoy the week. We'll see you here next Saturday, July the 30th for another great episode. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs>